This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Girls... And any guys who are listening, maybe there's like one or two, I cannot believe it is the end of 2019. I just like can hardly wrap my head around it. I am so excited. One of my favorite holidays is coming up, and it is definitely not what you're thinking. And this is not an ad. (laughs) New Year's. New Year's is coming up. And in case you hadn't figured it out, I absolutely love this time of year because Obviously, it provides this amazing opportunity to reflect on the last 365 days. And then I always carve out time and space to get really clear on what I want to create in the year to come. So I have spent all week, basically, evenings, my time at work with these crazy calendar printouts. And I've been reviewing my Excel spreadsheets. I've been setting goals for next year. I've been making sure that all my goals are aligned with my core desired feelings. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, head back to our episode, Create the Life of Your Dreams, which we released on June 6th. I probably should have episode numbers like every other podcast host, but you know, maybe I'll add that to my list of goals for 2020. In the meantime, head back, listen to that episode. In 2019, if I'm reflecting back, our family made a huge decision to switch things up. I had been living in Vancouver for 34 years, and we decided to move to Whistler for the year. We gave up our rental home. We moved up to our weekend home, which was much smaller. And it was one of the best decisions that Scott and I had ever made. It was also a time for fresh beginnings. I stopped working for my family business and closed that chapter. It was such an amazing time. But I was also ready to spread my wings and to really focus on Raw Beauty Co. It was a year for family, for business growth, skiing, (laughs) a lot of nature, healing for me after my bout of postpartum anxiety. So many amazing firsts for Raw. We launched the Raw Beauty Talks podcast, which I just cannot stop pinching myself that this is part of my job, that I get to have these deep, meaningful conversations with women that I admire, and maybe almost more importantly, that I have had the opportunity to create a space for so many incredible women who want to up-level their life, who want to feel better in their body, who want to step into their greatness, and this community fuels me so much every day. I want to take a second to say thank you to every single person right now who is listening for joining along on this journey, for tuning in, for doing the work, for writing the beautiful reviews. I still read every single one. If you loved the show and you have a second right now, can you pop over to iTunes? Please write me a little note. Help me celebrate the end of 2019. Give us a five-star rating. And I want to thank you and acknowledge you for sharing the episodes that touched you, for taking those screenshots and putting them out. It has been an absolute highlight of my year. We also launched our meditation package with the incredible mind-body researcher, Michelle Cambolis. 
we ran our first group program for women struggling with emotional eating. It was called The Shift. I didn't talk about it a lot because I was so nervous I wasn't going to get through it. But you guys, it was insane. I I mean, I'm going to start crying just talking about it. I had the most amazing group of women I ever could have imagined for our first time through this program. The results that they got from the work that they did was so inspirational. It was absolute fire. I will never, never forget it. Any of the girls who are in that program who are listening right now, thank you for truly being the highlight of my year. Watching you step into something despite the fear and the nerves, saying that you are ready to overcome emotional eating, that you don't want to be tied to those negative feelings that you have about your body, that you're ready to let go of the limiting beliefs, and then actually showing up to do the work was just absolutely incredible and for sure the highlight of my year. I'm going to have some of them on the podcast, but I wanted to read out a couple of the things that they said after completing the 12 weeks. And here's why I want to do this. If you're listening right now and you feel like you are stuck in a negative relationship with food, that you are constantly on a diet, then off a diet, that you cannot get comfortable in your own skin, that that fearful friend, that negative self-talk or self-criticism is turned on really loud in your mind so you're not actually able to truly enjoy your life, or maybe you just feel lost and like you know you are meant for more, I want you to hear what these women were able to accomplish in only 10 short weeks so that you know that it's possible for you too. Brooke says, Aaron equipped me with the necessary tools to finally break free from my negative self-talk and to rise to my fullest potential. For as long as I can remember, there has always been this missing piece, and no matter what I did, how much I did or didn't eat, what I looked like, or how hard I would work out, I would always end up in the same place of negativity towards myself. Erin and her program, The Shift, was that missing piece. I am now living that life I knew I was capable of, and I'm loving myself along the way. My true passion is fitness and working out. But somewhere along the line, it turned into punishment and revolved strictly around body image and food. This program allowed me to dig deep within myself and shift my perspective so much that I recently completed a 15-kilometer run and I didn't do it from a place of punishment. I just felt so much joy moving my body for the first time in a long time. This is just one example of the endless success I've been able to experience because of this program. It has been nothing short of life-changing. Oh, love, Brooke. Lexi says, I was very skeptical at first. I thought, I'm not going to stick with this, and I've probably wasted my money, but I could not have been more wrong. I can't put a price on it. I have my life back. I have a community of women inspiring and supporting me. It's just so much more than I thought I was going to get. And Steph says, The shift taught me so much about intuitive eating and made me realize that it actually is possible to eat mindfully without obsessing over calories, macros, the scale, the gym. It's not a myth. The course then built on that foundation with additional self-love and self-development tools that I hadn't seen or used ever before. The content and the support from Erin was beyond worth 
the investment. So I'm really sharing this so that anyone out there who's feeling stuck or not sure how to take those first steps forward knows that there is support, whether it's through me or a therapist or somebody else in your community, you don't need to stay where you are. The shift is 12 weeks long. It's not that long of a program. And I've kept the price so that as many people as possible can join in. You can head on over to rawbeauty.co backslash the underscore shift for more information. The next course starts in January. We'll also have one in May and September of 2020. I honestly think I am one of the luckiest women in the world. The fact that I get to have these deep, honest conversations with women I admire through coaching and through the podcast, I just have so much gratitude. So I cannot thank you enough. Now, all of these things that I've just mentioned are totally epic, but as always, I like to keep things real on here. So I also want to share something that... Like literally, I start sweating when I think about talking about it because my parents taught us when we were growing up not to talk about money and just that that was taboo and that, you know, we're grateful for what we have, but we don't need to share it with other people. And I completely understand, obviously, why they said this. But I also think that as a society, we only tend to hear from people who are at the very top of their game financially who are making the eight figures and then coaching people. And we never hear about people who are still on the journey there or who are having those years when they're in the red. So here's my, not confession, but my honest truth. This year, Raw Beauty Co. did not make any money. We lost money, in fact. And I went into this year knowing that it was not going to be an incredibly profitable year. I know that it takes time to build a podcast. I knew that we were only going to run one group coaching course so I could really focus on knocking it out of the park and so that I could ensure that it actually worked and that I could get through it as well as a coach. So I knew that it wasn't going to be extremely profitable. But at the end of the year, as I've been going through my finances, I'm not going to lie. You can feel like a failure if you let yourself compare to other people and people who are my age and younger who are on social media talking about how they're earning like millions of dollars from their courses and their podcasts and their programs. Now, this has nothing to do with them deciding to share that information. I am cheering those girls on. I follow a lot of them. I'm studying what they are doing. But I want to tell you this so that anybody else who's listening, who's not yet making a million dollars... Maybe you don't even care about that. Maybe you're on a different journey. Maybe you're not feeling comfortable in your body yet. Maybe you don't have that relationship that you want. I want you to know, as always, that you are not alone, that there are other people on the journey as well. And I also want to share this with you to hold myself accountable to always showing up honestly and to including you on every stage of my journey. I want you guys there when I have a business that is in the red. And I also want you there when Raw Beauty Talks is making eight figures and when we are creating epic change in the world and when I get to speak on those stages that I dream of. So I'm not there yet, not there at all, but I have an amazing support network. I have a plan. I have a combination of vision boards and Excel spreadsheets that go very detailed into how I'm going to spend my finances and set things up next year so that I am successful. And it's going to be a journey. I'm constantly reminding myself to be patient. 
it doesn't come easily to me at all. But if you need that reminder too, let's hold the vision, trust the process, learn from our mistakes, and remain in a place of patience always. So often we see people celebrating their big accomplishments, but we don't get to see the journey that's required there. You know, social media wasn't around when I was a teenager and struggling with my eating disorder. So you didn't get a chance to see sort of in the window of that stage of my life. And when I had postpartum, I was too sick to be sharing what was going on. I just needed to focus on myself. Usually people don't post or share about the times when their business is in the red or when they feel like total crap about their body or when their relationship just fell apart. We tend to share the highlight reel, those good moments. So whether you are listening right now and you are at a peak in your life, whether you are deep in the valley, whether you are on the downward spiral or you are in the middle of the bounce back, please know that you are not alone and that all stages that I just mentioned are necessary to live a full, beautiful, abundant life. I personally have a deep sense of trust and knowing and a plan. And as I mentioned, an Excel spreadsheet. I keep saying that so my husband knows. I have an Excel spreadsheet, babe. I do, I do. And an amazing support network. I know that this year needed to happen in order to get to the next stage. And I hope you can find some peace in whatever stage you are in, knowing it's all part of the process. All right. I wanted to wrap this year up with a bang by sharing some of the valleys, the climb up the mountain, the ascent, and then also some of the peaks of some of our most inspiring guests to remind you to keep fighting for your dream. No matter how hard life gets, remember you are not alone and that one day this painful place will be a beautiful piece in the quilt of your life. Remember to keep learning tools and to practice using them as you reach your goals. And when you get to the top, only to find another steep peak waiting for you to ascend, because let's remember the journey never ends, always remember to look back and to offer a hand to those who are still climbing. So let's start this story today in the valley, the winter in life, the uncomfortable space we usually don't share publicly, the space we must all sit in at one point or another in some shape or form, whether it's dissatisfaction about our body or anxiety, losing somebody that you love, the fear of starting a relationship or the pain of losing one. Life's hardest moments that break us down so that we can rebuild stronger than ever before. Words from Sarah Landry. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, 
country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash raw beauty talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Over. Because I, I struggled with such food addiction, I really felt like the only way to be in control of that was to kind of control it, was to track my food, to track my intake. I knew the calories of everything everywhere. I went from not understanding food in any way to over understanding it. I was almost over educated in everything. So coming out of that, I, I feel like what happens is there's a lot of people who kind of go through these big transformations. And at the end of it, when you start to realize like it's time to step away from that, there isn't really a lot of information. There isn't really a lot of information that teaches you how to exit out of diet culture and exit out of like that mindset of having to track everything, weighing yourself every day. All these things that you did to kind of stay on track are now really becoming detrimental to you. They start to become an obsession. They start to become unhealthy. So all of those health efforts can suddenly shift and it can be slow and weird. And suddenly you're just in this weird place where a single pound can derail your entire day and your mental thoughts. And you become obsessive over what your food intake is, which dances on the line of an eating disorder. So not fully diagnosed with that, but something that I recognize now looking back that I was very much dancing on the line of at the end of it, because diet and eating disorder, they can go hand in hand. It's just sometimes we look at the structure of the person who's doing it as opposed to like if somebody was 100 pounds and counting their calories, we consider that an eating disorder. If somebody's 200 pounds and eating and counting their calories, we consider that a diet. Finding that healthy balance in relationship with food was about a two-year struggle for me, just kind of exiting out of weight loss and into just healthy body. It's definitely a conversation that I continue to unpack, to be honest. Angie Green on losing her father. I do have memories of going in and listening to classical music, being on the bed with him. And I I don't know what you do at 11 years old. (laughs) You sit sit with your dad and say goodbye to him. Like it's a weird concept for me that I still tear up thinking about now. But that memory has kind of been like an overarching theme to probably the next two decades after that. 
was just not having the tools to be able to deal with my dad being taken away from me. Mm-hmm. When you're so young, so young to process that. When you're so young. Yeah. And kind of going through puberty and with most girls, I would say, you know, I don't know the, the Freudian theology behind it, but going through puberty and your dad quite often being your first love or the person that you look to for male connection or whatever. And so losing him while I was going through puberty probably had a lot to do with Again, that overarching theme of being a victim and just having more of that melancholy, like, oh, just feeling my dad was taken away and, and then staying in that lonely feeling rather than, I don't know, being a survivor. Megan Rose on feeling lost in her career and direction in life. Really, for me, I chalk it up to falling out of a state of flow. And so for me, it was doing something every day that I wasn't aligned with. So, you know, for me, working for the government just didn't work for me. That's actually where my passion for medicinal properties came in. So I was faced with a lot of different immune system complications. I started experiencing really bad migraines. And then eventually my body just shut down. I ended up getting really bad adrenal fatigue. I eventually took about, I think it was almost like four or five months off of work because I was physically unable to move my body. And so I physically shut down. Like my body spoke so loudly that I had no choice but to stop everything and start at the base level of what my body needed. It's so amazing how brilliant our bodies are at speaking to us and at giving us these little hints and nudges here and there, but that how often it is, and listen, I've been there too many times, that it requires us to have like a full full-blown meltdown before we actually stop and listen to our bodies before we're actually like, what is going on here? Maybe this isn't the right job for me, or I'm not surrounding myself by the right people, or I need to, you know, re-examine my thoughts and beliefs. It just, it's a story that so many women have lived. And I often wonder whether or not it's almost necessary to force us into a new trajectory of wellness and looking after ourselves and to force us out of, you know, whatever rut it is that we're in and into a new one. So what did that look like for you when you were in that place where you're like, I am not well, my immune system's down, my body is telling me in so many ways that I, I can't keep doing this. How did you start to figure out your next steps? Well, I think to answer your question around what did it look like specifically, immediately I think about the signs in my life. So it was little things like, you know, as simple as me waking up and having that kind of soul consciousness murmuring of, I really don't want to go to work today. Like, I really don't want to do this. Or I'm too exhausted to get up and go move and do something that I love, which was teaching yoga at the time I was doing that on the side. And I'm too exhausted to do that. Those are things that are so basic. You know, movement is such a part of our wellness. And when our body decides that it's going to communicate in a way that it's going to debilitate you from moving, that to me was a huge sign. And then things like relationship, examining relationships in life and seeing, you know, who are the people I'm surrounding myself with, as you say, and who are some of the most incredible people that I'm just not attracting in my sphere or that are abandoning me, which ultimately, I think when people leave us, 
it's because we've left ourselves a long time ago. So, you know, Mm. for me, it was, it was that it was, people were leaving me in my life that were really important to me. And I felt like I was just kind of losing grip of the things that brought me joy. Danielle Maltby on losing her fiance in a drug overdose. I was so lost. I was this broken, depleted shell. Like I was, I was reading back through some things that I had written right after he had passed away. And it was like, I didn't realize the dark place that I was in, like literally just wanting to exist until I could be with him again. And I remember like waking up one day and just being like, I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm doing myself a disservice. Like I need, I don't want to feel sad and depressed. Like I want to be able to laugh at something again when it's really funny. I still want to be a mother someday. Like I want, I still want to get married. And that was a huge turning point in my recovery after losing Nick. All such beautiful, honest reflections of moments in that valley of life. At some point, amidst the darkness, a crack forms. Light shines in even if just for a moment. A shift occurs. The weight lifts. You stand and you find some strength in your tired legs. A voice whispers in the back of your mind. I can't keep going on like this. I want more. I was made for more. For the first time in a long time, you let yourself look up at the peak of the mountain before you. The whisper gets louder. Move. Ask for help. Go. Climb, girl. Climb. These are some of my favorite moments of women rising from the ashes, finding their peak, and starting the climb. Oh, and of course, they'll be sharing some of the tools they use to get up the mountain, because at this point, we all know it's impossible to do it alone. Gabby Reese on Finding Motivation. For you, when it comes to discipline, you're obviously incredibly self-disciplined. Have you always had that within you or is it something that you've had to practice? And if somebody's listening to this podcast right now thinking like, I know I need to do all of these things, but I'm just not getting off the couch to do it. I'm not turning off Instagram. I'm not making that choice. Do you have any tips for them in cultivating that self-discipline within? Yeah, I think it's, first of all, let's talk about social media. It's an addiction, right? It's like getting off sugar. Like it's a real thing. And we can't leave it up to chance that we're going to say, that's it. I'm only going to manage it. We've got to put a system in place to support us. So what does that mean? I don't want to train six days a week. I just have a system in place that I get it done. It's the same thing for social media. Listen, I'm not going to naturally get off Instagram or wherever. I'm just going to have either a schedule or these times of the day that I just simply don't do it. Not because, and it isn't about like how I feel or the, it's just, that's the way it is. So it isn't about people feeling guilty that they don't have the self-discipline. 
It's just about how do you put these things in place? And okay, you're sitting on the couch. Great. You have to schedule that you're going to meet and walk with somebody at some point at a certain time at a certain location that you can't get out of and you will not bail it. I always liken it to like, who wants to pick up the kids at school, right? But you don't go, you know what? (laughs) Two o'clock. I'm really into this work project. And, you know, Junior's going to have to wait. No, you go. It's 2.30. You got to go, right? And I think it's the same idea with all of these systems in our lives where it's like, hey, I can't do this by myself. I got to figure out and construct something that will support what I really believe are my end goals. And in the days that we blow it, we're going to say, I blew it today. It's okay. I love myself. And tomorrow, even if it's Thursday, is going to be like my Monday and I'm going to get right back after it. And so I just want to say to people, it isn't you're born or one person's born one way or the other where, you know, like these people are lunatics and they just want to get after it all the time. And why do I feel so late? People are inherently lazy. That's the other thing too. We're meant to be lazy. We're meant to like go for a really short period of time if we were in nature and then we'd sit under a tree and then what's the path of least resistance? How do I make myself comfortable? It's like all that stuff is so natural. For someone listening, I just think it's like, hey, listen, first it's got to start with this. Knowing that you're valuable enough and important enough and to love yourself enough to go, okay, What do I really think is valuable investing in me, myself? So, and what are the other assets that are important? My time, right? Number one. So how do you figure out the way to honor yourself in that way, even if it's like uncomfortable? Because in the end, it is the greatest investment you can make. And I know it's hard. And there are days I don't feel like it myself, believe me. And sometimes the longer it's been, I know the harder it is. So do you have someone out there? Do you have a friend that you can connect with and say, hey, I know you and I talk about this and our goals are similar. Do you want to try to really do this together? Jessamine Stanley on Being Your Own Hype Squad. Really getting into the space of being your own hype squad. So like when it comes to doing this inquiry, the example that I always give is like, let's say that I've been to the gym, I went to a yoga class. When I get to the Whole Foods hot bar, it's going down. Like (laughs) I'm getting all the food that I want. Let's say I'm like loading up my plate, about to get a scoop of mac and cheese and I look over and somebody's looking at my plate. And as a fat girl, I don't know how it is for anyone else, but I know it's like this for people who have identified as fat girls. There's a feeling of like deep paranoia around eating where it's like anytime that anyone is looking at your plate, they're thinking like, like, should you be eating this? Or like, shouldn't you be eating that thing? Or shouldn't you be eating less or whatever? This, it can have so many effects. The darkest of which is probably like distinct eating disorders. But I think that disordered eating can be things that we would think are like pretty minimal. So like I start to have this litany of disordered eating thoughts that come into my head. Like, should you really be eating that blah, blah, blah. And I literally have to stop in the middle of being at the Whole Foods hot bar and be like, all right, do you really not want this food? Do you think you shouldn't have macaroni and cheese? Because if you want it, you should eat it. But if, if you think that you shouldn't eat the macaroni and cheese, let's figure that out. Do you think that that's the case because this person across the hot bar is looking at your plate? Are you even sure that they're actually looking at your plate? Are you projecting what's going on inside of you? Like it's having a full-blown therapy session with myself 
at the Whole Foods Hot Bar. And then also like if I'm wearing an outfit that I feel is very revealing and like I'm worried about what other people are thinking about it. It's like, do you like this outfit? You liked it when you were at the house. How come now you're out in public? You don't like it anymore. Because you think this person doesn't like it? Why why do you think they don't like it? Why why are you why are you worried about what they're thinking about? And I do think that practicing yoga, I think that uh, practicing meditation is very helpful with this kind of work because it does require actually listening to the self, which on the whole, we're really not taught how to do. We tend to think that we're supposed to listen to voices outside of ourselves. But I think that when we really do this kind of looking at ourselves, that's how we start to harness and understand compassion. Whenever we can see everything as it is and accept it as it is. And if it helps for you to think, what would I say if if someone was talking this way about my friend? Like maybe that's helpful to take it outside of yourself in that sense. But I think that if you're not willing to do that kind of deep emotional work, then there's probably not going to be a long-term sustained change um, in self-image because it's ultimately you're just like putting band-aids on top of the actual problem. Because for a long time, I was like, people say that mantras are like so key and that you you got to have mantras that you say. And I'd be like, I mean, is a mantra going to be the only thing standing between you and self-hate? I don't think so. So, but I have recognized that like, I hype myself all the time. Like when I'm in the mirror getting ready for the day, I'll be like, you look good. Like, this is great. Yes, yes. You better go off. Like, it's like literally like pretend like Big Frida is on your shoulder. Like pretend like there's someone who's like, like Beyonce is hanging out next to you. Who's Yeah, that looks great. You look great. Angie Green on a tool to help combat comparison on the journey. My mom always said, if you're going to compare yourself up, you need to compare yourself down. So if I'm going to compare myself to someone who's had their dad for 70 years, well, I need to compare myself to the orphan who never had a dad in the first place. Kylie Macbeth on showing up authentically. Another thing that you say on social media that I was reading that I absolutely loved, you had a quote from one of your mentors who said, Kylie, you are being called to change out the glass to use your face, not as a mirror, but as a window. And I just got this like, full goosebumps all over my body. I'm going to read that one more time. You are being called to change out the glass, to use your face, not as a mirror, but as a window. It is such a great analogy for how we can start to show up in relationships from a place of self-love and honoring us as a unique individual. Tell me a little bit about your experience with this. Oh my gosh. I am one of those people that never wants to hurt anybody. I think it's one of my good qualities, but it's also can be obviously without boundaries and and honoring of self, the most detrimental patterns, I guess, swallowed up in. And I think around that too, is like, what is it about other people's pain or what is it about my own pain that I still can't hold of upsetting people, of saying no, of, of really not going along with their story in order for them to <laughs> feel good about themselves. Like I remember just a couple of weeks ago, I was having dinner with somebody and one of the gentlemen was talking about, oh gosh, I don't even remember. I'm not even going to recall, but, and I remember leaving being like, wow, you totally repressed your truth. 
you totally went along with what he was saying in order not to rock the boat or not to challenge. And I think that this quote is really asking or like this invitation is really asking me to stop going along with it, to stop not rocking the boat and to start actually speaking up in a bigger way about the things I truly believe in is terrifying because our core human need is belonging. So you're going against biology, you're going against all the survival biology we have in our in our lives. And so this is not just a you know, 100% just speak truth everywhere you go. Like, of course, yeah, that, that would be great. But there's also this need for connection and for belonging. So it's a balance, right, Aaron? Like, you're not just gonna go disrupt every single relationship and start calling out everybody, you know, <laughs> no. because you, you want you just want to be a, a look like a piece of glass. But it is, it definitely is an invitation to start speaking up. And to start changing that mirror out for glass instead. And when she said that to me, I was like, oh gosh. I was like, <laughs> I know, I know that's the invitation right now, but geez, it's just so comfortable to not rock the boat. Yeah. But the world, we, it needs some rocking. And finally, some words to leave you feeling lifted and inspired from women who have reached a peak. And let's be clear here, just because they've reached one peak doesn't mean they don't have 59,000 more to summit in this lifetime. But they've all been gracious enough to extend a hand back to those who are climbing the peak that they just walked up. I remember going through my postpartum anxiety. This was just under two years ago. And I was going to this amazing acupuncturist, Julie Nelson, And I looked at her, tears streaming down my face, and I said, you know, I thought I had my battle already. I made it through the eating disorder and the binge eating and hating myself. I thought I was done. I'm so tired. I don't know if I can fight this fight. And she looked at me, and she put her hands on my face, and she said, oh, honey, life sees how strong you are. It's building you into the warrior you're truly meant to be. So here are some words from women who have fought the good fight, the modern day warriors. Angie Green, on telling yourself who you want to be. My number one tool before anything that worked for me was action. Other tools being mindset, nutrition, pain management, detoxing, minimalizing, all of those things I think come after action. So I didn't start eating well, even though I knew that I should. My, my dad died of cancer. I knew I shouldn't be smoking, but that wasn't, death wasn't enough of a motivation for me. How crazy mm. is that? But that's just human, I feel like. Taking action is the number one step. Well, maybe mindset would come before action because you need to change your mind. Nope. I'm going to say action first because your body moving will change your mind. I can sit on the couch and in my mind say, yeah, I got to go work out. Uh, I should go for a workout. I'm scrolling through Instagram. I see all these people working out. Uh, I should work out. That is in my mind. But the action taken is putting on my running shoes and going outside and shutting off my mind. Because my mind habitually over years and years and years of being depressed and being a victim, my go-to brain pattern, and I'm sure that 
there's a ton of science behind the actual patterns that your brain goes to and the ruts that are in your brain. My automatic go-to was feel sorry for yourself and don't do this. Where in my training, I have to shut my mind off and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. I have to shut off what my brain is telling me because my brain isn't the Tony Robbins, (laughs) Oprah, Amy Cuddle. Like my brain isn't it's not hardwired for that. It's so funny though when you say that because you are that to so many people. So it's funny that you say that you should say that that's not how you're hardwired because it is how you show up for other people. So, and just so you know. Oh, well, I've always, I've always said my Instagram is preaching to the choir. <laughs> I go back and I read my yeah. own Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> because I need to hear it consistently. I say it because I need to hear it. I'm not on this. I mean, I told you before this podcast, I almost wanted to cancel this podcast because I am in a funk the last couple of days. I am not positive. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling hormonal. I'm feeling very postpartum. I'm missing my mom like crazy, even though it's been three years since she's died. Like when you're going through different seasons, your hormones show up differently. Your life shows up differently for you in different seasons. Like there's times where you're feeling on top of the world and you're feeling strong. And then there's other times where you're just like, it's a constant flow. But the number one thing between all of those things is action, no matter how you're feeling. Because if you, people ask me all the time, whoa, where do you find the motivation? I don't find motivation. Motivation really does nothing for me. Seeing other people working out or seeing other people's bodies or seeing, you know, where people quite often tend to look for motivation motivation has failed me. It's never really done much for me because if I only waited to go for a walk or to move when I felt motivated, it would never happen. Right. Other than maybe if I've had a huge cup of coffee and I'm listening to some really, really good music, (laughs) Yes. then I feel motivated. But if I waited for motivation, I would never do anything because I'm just tired. (laughs) Fair enough. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just tired. Discipline and action takes you a lot further than motivation or inspiration. It's deciding. And there's so many amazing YouTube videos about deciding to act. It's deciding to do something and doing it and not, not getting distracted and not waiting for motivation. Just do it. And the motivation comes when you're doing it. The motivation comes afterwards. What you do for your body psychologically, physiologically, every other word that sounds really cool, (laughs) what you do for your body when you just go for a walk, whether it's in sunshine and a beautiful 75 degree California day, or I mean, people tell me this all the time, well, I'd go for a walk if it wasn't cloudy and raining. (laughs) Um, Put on your rain boots. (laughs) Those walks that you have in the rain are so powerful. Those walks that you have in the snow when it's minus 20 degrees, because remember, I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I grew up in darkness and in cold. And when you go out in the dark and you put your snow boots on and your thermal underwear and all of your layers and you go for a walk, it is so powerful, a lot more powerful than it is going for a walk in the sunshine. Even though the sunshine is good for you, and the amount of science behind sunlight and light energy and what it does to your cells is, is incredible. 
But it's not to negate the fact that going for a walk, no matter where you are, is powerful, especially when you're alone and you're alone with your thoughts and you start becoming aware of your thoughts and aware of what your thoughts are telling you. Because you're constantly telling yourself something, you're giving yourself a script. And there's two parts, there's your brain and there's your mind, and they're two different things. One tells the other what to do. It's not just a, oh, free for all. (laughs) Well, I just, this is just who I am. No, false. You can change who you are because you can talk to yourself. We do it all day long. You talk to yourself and you tell yourself who you are and who you want to be. Sunny Leonard Doozy on embracing failure. Have you ever had something in your business that you put a lot of time towards and it failed? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were thinking and you were going to be like, you know what? No. And I was like, well, that's a first. (laughs) That would just be bullshit. Anybody says that, they're lying. No, I, I mean, my very first course, we got people in the door, but it was not the best. It wasn't a complete failure. I was really proud of myself for making it, but it was definitely not like the success that I wanted it to be. I mean, I've hired people that have turned out to be like, quite honestly, a disaster and like Godspeed and good luck to everyone. all, but like <laughs> Free up their future. <laughs> God bless. But like, I think if you're not failing, you're just not moving fast enough and you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> I just think like failure is inevitable. And even recently, we we have our Authority Accelerator program and our clients are getting amazing results. But like our first webinar, about 50 things went wrong live on the webinar and after the webinar where people weren't able to apply and like the links were messed up and all this stuff. And I remember just being like, oh my God. But <laughs> my mentality was, we can only get better. And that's how I think about everything. I'm like, it can only go up from here. And thank God we did this because if we didn't do this, we wouldn't have known that that wasn't going to work because we had prepared everything perfectly. But there were just some little minute details where like, oh crap, that didn't work. Or like this thing was off, et cetera. So I just think like until you do it, you just don't know. And if you do anything in life, you're risking failure, but at least you're doing something. I would rather be the person doing the things than the person critiquing the person doing the things. Yeah. Or the person stuck watching on the sidelines while everyone else cried. I mean, this is just it. You've got to be somewhat open to failing. Actually, screw that. You've got to be open to failing and falling flat on your face if you really want to big live a big life. Yeah. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. Oh my God. We've had so many quote unquote failures over here. But my husband always says, and I totally agree, there are no failures. There is only learning. Yes. A hundred percent. And one of my favorite quotes of all time, I was actually going to get it tattooed on me at one point is think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is a stepping stone on the way to greatness. And I really believe that with every bone in my body. I think that every failure, there's a gift in it. Melissa Ambrosini on creating nourishing relationships. I feel like people are more connected now than ever before with social media, but research is showing that we feel less connected and more lonely than ever before. So I want to dig into how we work to create deep, healthy relationships that we're craving. And I feel like you're the person we need to talk to about this. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely feel... There is a shift, you know, everyone has been so focused on building online communities with social media and things like that, that we have neglected our 
in-person relationships and the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. I always say, and I talk about this in Open Wide, you know, a lot of people think the grass is greener over there. Well, this relationship isn't working and the grass is greener over there, so I'm going to go over there. And that is the biggest load of BS. The grass is greener where you water it. And the more water and love and attention and sunlight and soil that you give, the more it's going to grow and nourish and thrive, right? And so if I want thriving relationships that are deep and rich, then I have to invest into them. I have to water them. I have to love them. I have to nourish them. I have to give them the right amount of sunlight. I have to nurture the soil. No one's going to do that for me. I have to do that. And when we're talking about our intimate relationships, so like my, you know, all of our relationships are the same. This applies to all of our relationships. But, you know, my relationship with my husband, the reason why we thrive is because we water it. We water it daily, every day, because we are aware, because we know, because we're conscious of the fact that if it doesn't get watered, guess what's going to happen? It'll die. You know, if you don't water a plant, it will die. And we don't want our relationship to die. So we are consciously watering it every single day. And we've become so obsessed with our phones. Like technology is amazing, but we have become so obsessed with our social media and our phones that we are not obsessed with our relationships. And the reason why mine and my husband's relationship is one of the reasons why it's thriving is because I'm not obsessed with my phone. I'm obsessed with him. I adore him. And we make that time. We water our relationship every day. It's such a big priority. And another key to you know, thriving relationships, not just with your lover, but with your family and your friends is respect. Respect is so huge because if you respect your beloved, you will show up very differently. And, you know, my mother and father-in-law have been married for like 40 maybe 48 years. I can't remember the exact number. It's in the 40s somewhere, right? I ask all long-term relationships this and relationships that I admire. I always ask them. when If I just meet someone for the first time and they're, they tell me that they've been married for 45 years and or they, they're, you know, been married 45 years and they're all over their partner, I go, what is the key to your marriage? What is the key to your relationship? I ask people this all the time. And there's a common theme and it was respect. And Nick's mom said to me, respect. I respect Nick's dad so much. And that just hit me like a bullet in my heart. And from that moment on, that is one of mine and Nick's core values. And it has changed our relationship because no matter what, if you have respect for somebody else, then you are going to show up very differently as opposed to if you do not respect them. And so that is a key to thriving relationships, respect. And then I wanted to give you one more tip that I talk about in Open Wide, which is 
another tip to thriving relationships is practicing what I call CCC, crystal clear communication. Not many of us practice this, but coming up with this technique and practicing it in my own relationships has been paramount to my thriving relationships. It's so simple and it's just speaking from your heart openly and honestly and communicating clearly from your heart space. And when you do that, you can't go wrong. So there's some of my tips on how to really thrive in your relationships. Sarah Landry on showing up. If we want men and women to start normalizing all of these changes that our bodies go through or how our bodies have always been, we need to start showing up. Part of it is that it's all we're seeing because that's all that's showing up. If you only ever waited until you had a perfect bikini body to go to the beach, well, of course, all you're going to see at the beach is these perfect bikini bodies. But what if we brought our stretch marks there? What if we allowed our cellulite to hit the sun? Like, what if we did all of these things and we showed up on social media? We showed up at every day at the gym normally. We showed up at the beach. We showed up on vacations. We showed up in our bedrooms. Like, how much that changes what society sees and what these young men and what these women are seeing as well. If we stop growing up with this standard, it takes us being vulnerable. It really does. And it's very scary. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's very scary, but so worth it. Sometimes I have to come outside of myself. Like there are moments where I'm like, oh, I really don't like that. My cellulite is like hella out there in the angle of the sun right now. But if one little girl sees it, and sees it as normal, and maybe perhaps even beautiful, that's going to be a pivotal mustard seed in her mind that'll potentially project into the rest of her life. All right, my raw beauty bunch, that is it for this episode. We are signing off for 2019 so that we can fully embrace the holidays and New Year's. I am heading on a well-deserved vacation with my family And I cannot wait to see you back here in 2020. We are going to light this beep up. (laughs) And I hope every single one of you are here for the journey. If you like this episode, please share it with somebody that you know would benefit from it. Pop it onto your Instagram. um, Share it on your Facebook. We will regram as many of them as we possibly can. Send me a DM if you liked it. I love connecting with people. I feel like everyone thinks I get hundreds of messages. I don't. I still respond back to every single message. And most importantly, if you have a second to leave a review on iTunes, I would be forever grateful. All right, everyone. Remember, no matter what stage of the journey you are in, you are not alone. Keep tuning back inward. If anyone out there is feeling like they are a little stuck or they're not sure how to take that first step or they have that vision, they're looking at the peak, but they don't know which path to take, I highly encourage you to head on over to rawbeauty.co backslash the underscore shift. We have three programs starting in 2020. I would love to have you join us. This isn't some $10,000 program. It's very affordable. And you get to connect with a group of like-minded women who are all on the same journey. We have so much effing fun in this program. If you're feeling hesitant, if you're feeling scared, go check it out. Send in an application. Let's jump on a call and chat about it. Let's make 2020 a year that will be completely unforgettable. 
All right, that's it, that's all. Get after it, everyone. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.